It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. My name's Sam Ekstrom at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter. Glad you're joining us. Sage Rosenfels, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. He'll be out today, so you're stuck with me. It's just me in studio to talk Vikes. We got plenty of good content ahead. I'll deliver my practice takeaways from yesterday at Winter Park. We will evaluate the Vikings rookie class. How are they doing compared to last year's extraordinary rookie group? Maybe not quite as dominant. We'll get into that for sure. But first... I've got some Tuesday props for one Shamar Stefan. You hear people talk a lot about Linval Joseph at defensive tackle, the nose tackle, big behemoth of a man, Linval Joseph. You don't hear a lot of people talk about Shamar Stefan, one of the Minnesota Vikings, three seventh round picks in 2014. The Vikings had a ton of competition at defensive tackle that year. They had Joseph in his first year in Minnesota. They had Sharif Floyd, the former first-round pick, at the other defensive tackle spot. They had Fred Evans and Tom Johnson competing for a spot. They had drafted Scott Crichton, who may have had the flexibility to move inside. And then there was Shamar Stefan, 220th pick of the draft. And he played over 400 snaps his rookie year. How did that happen? Well, it was... Basically, the opportunism of Stefan to capitalize on a near tragedy. Think back, first preseason game, 2014. Linval Joseph, in a terrible event, catches a stray bullet to his calf. He's injured. He's out for the preseason. Now, fortunately, he came back and turned into a monster. But in the meantime, Stefan took advantage of those extra reps with the first team nose. And he has turned it into a very nice niche on this squad now in his third season. He also hit the perfect time to enter a team with a head coach that philosophically likes to rotate his defensive tackles. Mike Zimmer had four defensive tackles in his first year with the Vikings that played between 400 and 730 snaps. Joseph, Floyd, Tom Johnson, and the seventh-round pick, Shamar Stefan. So why are we talking about him today? Well, he had one of the most dominant preseason performances on Friday at Cincinnati of any Minnesota Vikings player. He was playing at the nose tackle spot and blowing up runs despite being blocked by two men. He was splitting through the center and the guard to get to ball carriers like Giovanni Bernard and Jeremy Hill. He was playing at the three technique on the outside shoulder of the guard, and he was still wreaking havoc. Now, he needs to hone his pass rushing, but right now his run-stopping prowess is exactly what the Minnesota Vikings need after a subpar year in that department. Remember, Stefan missed 11 games last year with a toe injury, only played five games, 
Vikings had to resort to Kenrick Ellis as their fourth defensive tackle. Mike Zimmer said yesterday, we missed Shamar last year. When you see him out here, it's clear we missed him. I also asked George Edwards about Stefan, and this is what he had to say. Well, the one thing about Shamar is very consistent with what it is. I mean, he's had to play the three. He's had to play the notes. He's, he's done a good job, you know, of handling that as we've progressed through camp. Uh, all, like I said, he worked hard all this offseason to get back. He's back. He's trying to improve on the things that we asked him to improve on with his pass rush and those things. And you can just see the hard work paying off. I mean, he's been very consistent for us throughout camp. And back on August 8th, Edwards also said he's money in the bank. Edwards is a stickler for the techniques and the fundamentals, and Stefan delivers. I talked to Stefan yesterday, got a story coming out, and he said, we don't want there to be any drop-off on our defensive line. When we go from Linval Joseph and Sharif Floyd down to Tom Johnson and myself, we want to dominate. He used the word dominate. And that's the kind of philosophy that this team has. Competition and depth. And the defensive tackle spot might be as deep as it's been in a while on this Minnesota Vikings squad. Once Sharif Floyd gets back 100% and he was working out yesterday, I think he'll be back soon. You're going to have not a 1-2 punch, not a 1-2-3 punch. 1-2-3-4 punch at DT. That's not even including the sub package with Brian Robinson moving inside. They are going to be flying all over the field on the interior of the defensive line. And that's the opening word here on this Tuesday, Locked on Vikings. Again, I'm Sam Ekstrom at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter. Big thanks to Cumulus Media for the studio space, as well as Cold Omaha. What is Cold Omaha, you might say, if you're on the outside? Well, it is the sports writing group that Cumulus has developed. Hubert Humphrey once said, without professional sports, Minneapolis would be just a cold Omaha. And that's the name of the site, coldomaha.com. That same content also available, kqrs.com, 93x.com, 105thevibe.com. It's the Cold Omaha Writing Group part of Cumulus Media, happy to be a part of it. You can find this podcast there as well as Audio Boom, as well as iTunes, many locations to find Locked On Vikings. Speaking of Omaha, that's where Sage Rosenfels resides. He's the co-host on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at Sage Rosenfels 18. If you missed yesterday's show, go back and podcast it. Good stories about Brett Favre. A quarterback's take on the quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater. And he's got some good insight on Norv Turner, former coach of his as well. That's episode one with Sage Rosenfels. Go on iTunes. Give us a good rating, please. We'd appreciate it. Let's build this thing into a giant. Yesterday was a steamy one at Winter Park in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. The Vikings back from Cincinnati, back from the joint practices, Back from preseason game number one, and after a relatively truncated stay in Mankato, Minnesota, they've returned to headquarters for some more focused work. It's a much different vibe when it's in Eden Prairie. There's no fans. There's not a lot of entourage. 
not a lot of noise. It's very crowded in Mankato, despite there being more space. It's a weird dynamic because every niche you go is filled with autograph-seeking fans. And God bless them, too. They stand out in the heat just to try to get a glimpse of these guys. And they occasionally get paid off with some attention and some signatures. But I think the coaches, and I would assume the players, prefer being back up in the metro area out on the Winter Park practice fields where there aren't any distractions. I think people can get stressed out and high-strung in Mankato because, number one, it has that stigma of training camp. The dreaded march to Mankato where you've got thousands of fans watching you and critiquing you and tweeting about you. And you've got the coaches getting essentially their first glimpse of you in a major padded practice. Now these guys look a little more comfortable. You see some of the jitters going away. You see the instruction becoming a little more direct and a little more specific toward what the Vikings want to do. There's a lot of vanilla stuff that goes on at Mankato. Obviously, they're not going to unveil their entire playbook in front of 2,000 people. Now, there's more installation going on that's relevant to this team. You see the pieces being put together. Now, yesterday, got some more glimpses of Laquan Treadwell, the rookie wide receiver. To be honest, it has been somewhat underwhelming with Laquan Treadwell. Number of drops, not muscling his way for balls downfield, still refining his route running. But you see improvement, and his last two opportunities to prove himself have gone very well. In the game against Cincinnati, four catches, 41 yards. Obviously didn't play the whole game. That's a pretty good performance. The worry with Treadwell going in, at least for me, whether or not this guy was going to be able to get open with his lack of speed. Granted, he had a terrible leg break two years ago at Ole Miss, but it seemed like he should be back from that, recovered 100%, and yet his 40 time pre-draft was not up to snuff. Would he be able to create separation? Well, in a game situation, four grabs. That's pretty good for limited time. He also performed very well in the Minnesota Vikings Saturday night scrimmage in Mankato just over a week ago. Norv Turner addressed that when I asked him about it yesterday. The thing that's impressive about Laquan is we had the Saturday night practice uh, in the stadium. It got speeded up and was was uh, closest to game action as you can get. And then obviously in the game, in both those situations, he stepped up and made plays. He's got a lot of work to do, uh, but he is a big target. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think the quarterbacks like throwing to him. I don't believe Treadwell's going to be a week one starter. That's probably going to be Charles Johnson who caught that 49-yard touchdown against Cincinnati. But I have seen Treadwell get some first-team reps in red zone situations where he could 
definitely help the Minnesota Vikings in terms of fades, in terms of posts on the back of the end zone. Those are the type of situations that you put a rookie in where they can excel without having the entire burden of 60 snaps. Laquan Treadwell will contribute, probably not in every down roll at first, but injuries happen. Sometimes guys just force their way in, and whether Stephon Diggs forced his way last year or whether he was the beneficiary of Charles Johnson's injury, it was maybe a combination of both. That could happen with Laquan Treadwell. I just haven't seen quite the dominance from him that I saw from Diggs in camp and practice last year. But they're very different players. Very different players. Diggs, short and shifty. Treadwell, tall and strong. Different archetypes. Also practiced yesterday, the exodus of injured players. The Vikings must lead the league in minor injuries right now. And some very critical to the way they might construct this 53-man roster. Anthony Harris not practicing. He was definitely vying for the fourth safety spot. Now Anton Exum's getting a chance. Michael Griffin with an outside chance, the veteran free agent pickup. Eric Kendricks missing time. That gives Adi Cole a chance to play some Mike Linebacker. Kendricks will likely have that job back when he returns, but it gives Cole a chance to ensure his spot on this roster. Sharif Floyd also out, giving the aforementioned Shamar Steffen a chance. Brandon Fusco is still out. I believe that's some sort of upper body injury that's ailing him. And that's not only giving Joe Berger a potential starting job at right guard, but John Sullivan getting his starting job back at center. The battle was between Berger and Sullivan, but now with Fusco out, Sully's all alone. His closest competition is probably Nick Easton. The acquisition week five last year in the Gerald Hodges trade. Vikings have a lot of little injuries, but as we've seen in the past in the NFL, little injuries can open the door a crack and allow anybody to lose their job. And with roughly eight to 10 Vikings right now suffering minor nagging injuries, It could affect the jobs going forward, the depth chart going forward, playing time, particularly in this Thursday's preseason game at Seattle. It's all about the butterfly effect. How one opportunity for perhaps an unproven player can lead to something more. And that's what a lot of guys right now are trying to do on this Minnesota Vikings roster. Some good news, Emmanuel Lemur back practicing, Terrence Newman back practicing. They both missed some time. Lemur is really putting in a strong bid to play some weak side this year. A lot of people didn't think he'd be able to do it, but the amount of reps he's gotten and his sheer size and athleticism makes him a very intriguing prospect. I think they'll certainly go with a guy like Emmanuel Lemur over a guy like Brandon Watts, who they know what they're getting after two years with Watts. 
They'll exchange him for the former Bengal who knows Zimmer's system and has something to prove after being cut in Cincinnati. It's the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, at Locked On P. Locked On P to follow the Twitter account. Final item of business today, a look at the Minnesota Vikings rookies. Last year was extraordinary with the Minnesota Vikings rookie class. Ironically, the first-round pick, Trey Waynes, was only a minor contributor, played about two halves in the regular season, then got in the playoff game, made an interception, very impressive. But then you've got Eric Hendricks, who started about three-quarters of the season. Daniil Hunter had the second-most sacks of any rookie defensive end. He was the youngest player in the NFL. T.J. Clemming started 16 games at right tackle. Michael Pruitt was a great blocking tight end and became more and more involved in the passing game as the year went on. Stefan Diggs was a bona fide star, had over 100 yards per game in his first four NFL contests. Austin Shepard was a situational blocker. He was basically the first man up if anybody got nicked up on the offensive line. He was your sixth man. Edmund Robinson, he's a coach favorite, going to get a lot of reps this year at linebacker, very involved in special teams last season. You see the trend. A vast majority of the Minnesota Vikings rookie class was involved in myriad ways last season. This year is not going to be the same way. Just let me caution you in that. We've already talked about Laquan Treadwell. He's very unlikely to start right away. Same goes for second-round pick Mackenzie Alexander. Alexander did not pop in training camp like many had hoped. Now, that's okay. He's got veteran Terrence Newman to mentor him, Captain Munerlin there to mentor him, and a defensive backs guru and Coach Zimmer that can guide him along. The Vikings have plenty of corners. They don't need Alexander to start right away. He's still got a lot of work to do with his feet. He's still got a lot of work to do with his hands. And Mike Zimmer is a perfectionist. He's not going to let this guy loose until it's right. Willie Beavers at guard, their fourth-round pick, probably about eighth on the offensive line depth chart right now. The Vikings ideally would not have liked to use Beavers a whole lot this year. However, due to the Fusco injury and due to the mysterious medical condition of Mike Harris, Beavers has been rocketed up that guard depth chart. He may be forced into action, and he may not be prepared. He's had good moments. He's had poor moments in camp. Willie Beavers, the fourth-round pick. Kentrell Brothers, the linebacker, will be a backup. The German, Moritz Aboringer. Really cool story. That being said, Boringer, for all his improvement from OTAs until now, still may have an uphill climb to make this roster. You've got six wide receivers currently Five of the six are healthy. Jarius Wright's not going anywhere. He's got a little bit of a, a leg issue right now. But even if 
one or multiple wide receivers were to go down, I don't think Boringer is close to being the next man up. I think the team would go with Isaac Frichty, the U of M grad, before they went with Boringer. His speed doesn't pop in the NFL like it did against German defensive backs on YouTube. Is Boringer going to make this team? I say nine. I'm spewing a lot of negativity right now, so let me give you something positive. David Morgan, the tight end from the University of Texas San Antonio, a relatively new football program. Morgan, they call him the man bun because of the long locks, has entered Minnesota and pretty much because of the hair has become, he already has a cult following practically. But his versatility, I think, is going to make him a viable option in this offense, especially if Red Ellison is slow to get back. He can block and he can catch. But mainly, he can block, which is what the Vikings are looking for from their nitty-gritty second tight end. Norv Turner spoke about Morgan yesterday and how he was a quick study at the joint practices. To talk about David Morgan, I think he's growing and getting better. Uh, the, the great thing about being in Cincinnati, the first practice against Cincinnati, he really struggled. And it was a game environment, and it was his eyes were big, and it was new to him. Uh, obviously, uh, the next day he practiced better, and, and he played well in the game. So that's, as a coach, that's what you're looking for. And we always say, is it, it, when you get in the game, was it too big for him? Well, that, that Wednesday practice, uh, it was real big for him. And then Thursday, not as bad, and in the game, he handled it very well. If I were to power rank the Minnesota Vikings draft class, sixth round pick David Morgan the second would be at the top of my list. And I don't think it is even that close. The former roadrunner making inroads in the NFL, David Morgan. It's the Locked On Vikings podcast episode Dose. Sage Rosenfels will be back with us tomorrow where we will get into the Vikings preseason matchup with the Seattle Seahawks and get into the X's and O's. Well, or maybe Sage will tell us how meaningless the preseason is. Who knows? We never know what's going to come out of his mouth. At Sage Rosenfels 18, if you want to find him on Twitter. At Sam Ekstrom, if you want to find me, that's E-K-S-T-R-O-M. Not E-C-K, E-K-S-T-R-O-M. Make sure to check out the Locked On NFL podcast with Matt Williamson. And coming soon, the Locked On Timberwolves podcast with radio voice Alan Horton and TV analyst Jim Peterson. For me, Sam Ekstrom, this has been Locked On Vikings. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. 
Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer, to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.